Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisted Cape. Some of you know me because as I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, I take a look at my wife and realize she's very plain. But regardless of how you know me, you know I love comics. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mike's Big Stack. Oh, hell yeah, everyone. Welcome to the show. Recording this week at the Hall of Thickness. <laughs> I really don't know. i got to pick a name for this thing. Uh, so this week, in addition to the stories that we're going to do, uh, there will be a special guest to talk with me. We'll get to that later on uh, as an interview. Uh, so I will go ahead and start with the Marvel stories this week. After, of course, we start by rating the thickness of my stack. Oh yeah, Mike's Thickometer. So, this week is an incredibly thick stack uh, due to the length of One City of Bean, like, largely, uh, as well as Long Halloween. Those are both very long stories. Uh, and the Marvel stories, I mean, they contribute, but not as much. I would give it about a... I'll, I'll actually give this a 10 on Mike's Thickometer as well. All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump into these stories. Start with the new story, of course. Uh, Conan's Serpent War. Uh, we'll start there. Uh, and this book basically follows uh, four heroes that are transported about time uh, by a man named uh, James Allison. Um, he like, has had like, powers, what have you. And he connects and unites Four heroes across time. Uh, Mark Spector, of course, my boy Moon Knight. Conan, uh, the barbarian, of course. Solomon Kane, who's a paladin. And Agnes, who's a fighter. Uh, and this story is kind of cool and turns out has some actual implications. So as as the story starts out, this guy, um, James, is, is like having visions and he's stuck in his bed. And he can't figure out what's going on. And he sees visions. Um, uh, I, by the way, these visions start and they're very full of snakes. Uh, hence the name, you know, Serpent Serpent War. I guess that kind of makes sense there. Uh, and these heroes are being, are being um, followed by these snakes in the visions. And uh, he, he takes it upon himself to unite them all. Conchu calls out to Mark Spector, the Moon Knight, Miggity Moon Knight. Uh, and, uh, there's a couple of badass moments with him in the series. And uh, they're basically being tasked with um, hunting down these relics. Um, and they're, they're united, they're teamed up um, to, to fight and, uh, and find these things. And the pairings are actually kind of cool. Um, it's Moon Knight and... Um, uh, God, I can't remember his name. Solomon Kane. And then Agnes and Conan the Barbarian. And uh, those pairings just are just so funny. Uh, and they work through and they cleave and they leave a lot of blood and, and battered bodies in their wake. Uh, and they really get united here at the very end of the story, which is kind of badass. Uh, end of the first issue, rather. End, st- end of the story. What am I talking about? We're just getting started. Uh, in the second story, they are hunting snakes, man. And... Uh, there's some really badass splashes in here. Uh, 
yeah, there's lots there's lots of killing um and they don't these these people don't trust each other um you know uh, moon knight and uh solomon kane really start to bond over what they're accomplishing uh <laughs> it's not crazy but they, they do get there um and conan and agnes it's not quite as good for them <laughs> if initially uh but it gets there uh, and at the end of the second issue, you see that James is being um, just surrounded by this worm, W-Y-R-M. Uh, and that becomes uh, pretty important later on because you find out that the serpents and the worms have been warring. And uh, that's that becomes uh, especially important later. The third issue is really dedicated to a lot of Agnes and Conan, uh, which is awesome. And there's like a cult, uh, the serpent cult, uh, and then you know, get get some time with Moon Knight and um, uh, Solomon Kane, and they spend a little time hunting relics as well, and uh, it's really cool. They, there's just a lot of great battle scenes in this thing, and uh, a lot of snakes, of course, as a story called Serpent War should have a lot of snakes, and then we find out that the they all get. Um, united together in the final book of the series um fighting all these serpents while worm is is working his way around james uh, in his vision and uh it's cool because Kanshu becomes very very uh prominent in this story and the question of okay is he is mark specter crazy is Kanshu real comes comes up and there's some awesome just gnarly ass uh uh, splash pages here of Worm and the fight that really begins uh, with these four main characters and the battle is just unbelievably epic um, and uh, Mark Spector, the Moon Knight, gets a little bit of a power up here uh, and then they all get separated and sent out their own ways and uh, <laughs> uh, Moon Knight gets his power uh, and he keeps it, and uh, I feel like that's going to come and play with the Avengers, which is what our guest was originally going to be talking about with me, but, you know, COVID came and fucked everything else there. So I'll go ahead and give that a three and a half. It's kind of a short-lived series. I mean, outside of Moon Knight and Conan, the other characters, I just kind of didn't care about all that much. Um, it was a fun read, but uh, it, it could have been... It could have been written in a way that was a little more fun to read the art though is absolutely spectacular um there's a lot of great splash pages um even though i believe they switch artists a couple times um actually it might be in every book yeah i think they switch artists in every in every issue but they they got some really talented guys here and not to say the story was bad but uh you know kind of wanted a little more out of it all right, and then I read uh, *Secret Invasion*. Reread, read. read. <laughs> uh, this book is uh, like twelve years old at this point. Um, so, *Secret Invasion* is the story of. Uh, so, if if Civil War was whose side are you on, *Secret Invasion* was who do you trust? And the, the reason behind that is because everybody was infiltrated by the Skrulls, who are shape-shifting aliens. Um, this is an eight-issue miniseries. Uh, it's one of my favorites, man. I'm going to start out by, by giving the score. And I give it a four. 
I, I could have gone up to a four and a half, but um, well, you'll see. All right. So uh, as the story initially develops, they've they found a scroll body and they're freaking out because like, oh, my God, how did this get past all our defenses? No one could figure it out. And uh, the story basically goes from, okay, well, nobody knows if we can trust anybody, to, uh, oh my god, we have to fight to take back Earth. Uh, and, and just the way that this whole thing develops. I mean, there's the Secret Avengers versus the regular Avengers. If you were with me with the Civil War episode, I don't even remember what episode that is, maybe six? Uh, maybe episode six? Check me on that, somebody. Send me a message. It'll be a good time. Uh and uh, they, because the Avengers are divided, so Secret Avengers, which were originally led by Captain America, in between Civil War and this story, Cap has been shot and presumed dead. So it's Luke Cage, Spider-Man, um, Wolverine, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, uh, and just a bunch of underground heroes. And the regular Avengers consists of Tony Stark, um, Hank Pym, uh, Jessica Drew, uh, Spider Woman. Wait, no, no, she's a she's with uh, Luke Cage's Avengers. Uh, Carol Danvers, of course. Um, and there's there's a bunch of other characters. We won't really get into all that because I'm wasting time now. Uh, so they go to the Savage Land. They find a pod that is there. And when they open it, it's a bunch of doppelgangers for all the heroes that are there. Both teams of vendors meet up there, and when it pops out, it's it's everybody that's standing in front of them. It's like an old copy, and uh, a fight, of course, ensues. Um, they figure out that some of them are scrolls, and there's a lot of really cool moving parts in this entire series. So there's the part with uh, Reed Richards, who gets captured by the scrolls and that there's some really awesome art around him. He's like completely stretched out. He gets shot in the face and his body just like turns to like goop. His body like super stretches and like he's not able to control himself. It's a really cool panel. Uh, and you find out that there's a few traitors in, in their midst. Um, the Hank Pym that's there has been a scroll for quite some time. Um, you know, there, there's a whole lot. Uh, things that happen here. So basically, the, the the story is: they find out their scrolls, they fight scrolls, uh, they they beat the scrolls, and then they move on. So it's it's a very linear type story, but there's so much more cool stuff that happens in there. Uh, the 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 Marvel Trinity's reunited, but it's a different one. Uh, it's of course Iron Man because he's still around, um, but. Thor comes back from the dead, just completely different. Oh, he's not having anybody's shit. And uh, Captain America's Bucky. Um, so there, that whole thing is is happening as well. Uh, I really enjoyed the story. Uh, I just, I just love it so much. Um, it's so, it, it's so paranoia inducing uh, the first time you read it, and when you go back and subsequently read it uh, after that, you, you start to see all the things and all the, all the work that they put in. Uh, from some of the other characters. Jarvis being a scroll is one of my favorite moments. Um, uh, and there's, there's an amazing Avengers assemble moment. Uh, it, 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 it rivals, uh, the actual end game scene for those who have watched the movies as well. Of course you've watched the movies who hasn't. It's weird to not have watched the movies at this point. 
Um, but yeah, I just love the story. The art, I love Lionel Francis use art, but at times it gets a little strange. Like the eyes don't have pupils sometimes, sometimes they do, and there's no real reason for that. I mean, it, it sometimes looks badass, but uh, I, I don't know sometimes. And the story jumps around a bit, um, but the the big thing it, that I loved about it is that it facilitated an actual universe change the way the Civil War did. Uh, it put the bad guys basically in charge, um, and Norman Osborn was, was running the show, and uh, he gathers a bunch of villains, a cabal, if you will, uh, at, together in the very, very last page and says, okay... Uh, I'm in charge now. Here are how things are going to be. And it kicks off Dark Reign, a period in the Marvel Universe. Uh, it was very fun. I enjoyed my time there. Uh, but we've dwelled too long here. All right, so then we're going to go ahead and move on to Batman City of Brain. Um, so this is a story that Tom King had been plotting for quite some time. Uh, the main players here are, of course, uh, Batman and Bane, um, but there's there's a ton of people in here from Tom King's run. He had a really big Two-Face story. He had a Gotham Girl story. Uh, Gotham Boy and Gotham Girl, very first uh, piece of his run here. Uh, you get a lot of time with uh, Thomas Wayne, uh, Batman, um, and that just, that just grows and grows and grows. It is just so cool to read. And obviously, you get a whole lot of time here with uh, Bruce and Selina, uh, who are who are desperately in love. Um, and there's <laughs> there's so many cool moments uh, in here. Uh, I believe the art's done by Tony S. Daniel. And he puts a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference in while uh, the villains have basically taken over the city. Uh, it's, it's Riddler and uh, Joker sitting down at uh oh my god peralta and santiago's desks from brooklyn 99 if you watch that show uh and uh so then the book just the story just develops and you know batman tries to take out um bane and stop his his plot uh it doesn't always go great um there, there's a lot of a lot of things here captain adam gets his ass whooped uh, by Gotham Girl. Tim Drake is there. Um, you know, and the story just absolutely devolves, um, you know, into a point where um, Alfred is captured, uh, as is Damien. And, um, you know, they're they're talking through um, pieces here with Bane, and Bane actually goes and kills Alfred, and uh, you know, not great. It's not. It's not great. Uh, it's it's pretty emotional and kind of unexpected, except for the fact that it got spoiled for me. Thanks, internet. Like the day before the book even released, I didn't even have a chance. Uh, and then there's like a backup issue where uh, Bruce and Selina ha- are not in town. Uh, and then they have to go back. And they don't know that Alfred's been killed. You know, they're just, you know, in love. And they know they need to go back and take the city. 
and uh, you know, Bruce fights. He, he, you know, he decides it's time for him and Selena to leave the island where they are, of course, completely unaware, um, letting Bane think that he's won. And uh, they get back and fight, and Bruce finds... Uh, he, he fights a whole bunch of people. Um, Hush, he fights, which is uh, a cool cool visual here. Uh, I think there, there's one issue... There's a couple issues where uh, they switched up artists. John Romita Jr., who did, who's done Batman before, um, come, steps in, does a few uh, issues here, and there's a whole bunch of Batman fights... I mean, this is just a action-packed uh, uh, series here, and then you know, Batman gets to the point where he finds uh, Alfred, and it it breaks him. He's he's not he's not okay. Um, and then they mount the counteroffensive, um, where Batman and Bane go toe to toe, and uh, it's it's awesome. There's there's just the fight there is just so good. Because um, Batman just keeps t- talking to Bane about how he's going to break his damn back, uh, which is a callback to an earlier story. <laughs> and then Batman bends him over, picks him up, and uh, he gets shot uh, <laughs> right by his father. And then there's a huge showdown between um, Batman, uh, between Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne. And this is where he finds Alfred, and he's not okay. Uh, because Thomas really wants Bruce to give up the the mantle of Batman, um, and he's just not okay with it. And then you get a really cool backup story explaining how Thomas became who Thomas was in this world um, and his relationships. And the very final issue here um, really takes everything <laughs> and puts it in perspective uh, being actually comes and, and breaks Thomas Wayne's back. And, uh, I mean, Selene is through, throughout most of this providing like a lot of really good commentary and, uh, Bane breaks, uh, Thomas's back. Of course, it's like his, his go-to move. He, uh, Batman rehabilitates Gotham girl and, uh, shuts, da- uh, shuts Bane down for good. Which is great. And then uh, it teases Joker War at the very, very end. Which is coming soon, I think. It's 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 on its way. Alright, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we will have uh, my interview with a very special guest. Hey everybody, it's Mike from Twisted Cape. Do you like wasting time at work? We do. Uh, if, if you want to waste some time at work, hopefully not get caught, you should check out thetwistedcape.com. We have a bunch of satire stuff. We have some opinion stuff, some review stuff, a whole bunch of stuff, and other stuff as well. Uh, we have some contest stuff and some other fun stuff. Make sure you check it out uh, at your leisure at any time you want, www.thetwistedcape.com. We'll see you there. Stay twisted. All right, and we're back. Uh, everybody, I have a very special guest with me this week. Uh, this week, for a seven minutes in heaven, I have the distinct pleasure of talking to Alex from the What's Your Spaghetti Policy podcast. So uh, we're going to be talking about the Batman, the Long Halloween. Uh, Alex, thanks for joining me. You ready to get this thing going here? Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, uh, Lord of Spaghetti Town. I'm going to let you go ahead and plug your show real quick. Uh, it's so funny. I don't really know how to explain our show. It's just me and my friend Jacob, who is very eclectic and very different. And we just sit down and we have 
like the conversations that you used to have back in the day, you just sit down and you just kind of, you just have conversations about anything and everything. <laughs> and typically he has some ban- something bananas and bonkers to say, and we just kind of riff off that. Yeah, if you've, if you've not heard the show yet, it is a true treat, uh, just a, a good time from start to finish. It's, it's honestly easier for people who listen to it to explain what it is, because I don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Alright, so tonight we are going to be talking about Batman The Long Halloween, so just a quick synopsis here. Uh, in the early days of Batman's career, a mysterious killer begins targeting Gotham's elite on holidays. Who is the holiday killer? Um, so, you ready? We're going to get this thing started. we got seven minutes. Yeah. Starting now. All right. Um, so, I think it's important to start with the art. That's how that's how we just view comics. Yep. So, in, in this particular story, do you think art enha- the, enhances the story or detracts from the story? Oh, it enhances it. Tim Sale's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's so many times where there's like such awesome use of shadow. Oh yeah, um, uh, it's really over exaggerated. Um, it feels very gothic. It does. It does. Like some of those Joker splashes, like like he's just so like a billion teeth in his mouth and a giant, oh, yeah. terrifying smile. It actually, <clears throat> it actually feels like a graphic novel as opposed to like because like every things are exaggerated. Like you were talking oh, yeah. about with the Joker, like his mouth is exaggerated, but it feels like a comic book. Yeah. Uh, there's a splash uh, of Batman punching Scarecrow like right in the gut, yeah. and it's just it's just amazing, man. I I think he's colorblind. I'm pretty Tim sure Sale? T- Tim Sale is colorblind. That is an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, uh, you, that's you, super you, cool. Yeah, you might want to have to like verify that, but I'm like 87 percent sure. I'll double check. <laughs> uh, all right, so how, I know you've said to me that is like your favorite Batman story. So how do you feel about the story, I, just in general? Most people regard The Dark Knight Returns as like the the ultimate Batman story and I do like The Dark Knight Returns quite a bit but I feel like the one thing that The Dark Knight Returns kind of lacks is what really Batman is about and that's being a detective and dealing with the seedy underbelly of Gotham and cuz I mean The Dark Knight Returns is ultimately just a, a a story about him and the Joker yeah and with I mean, the things that I love about Batman is Batman, the rogues gallery, him being a detective. And you hit all of those at the highest possible spots in this because it's early. I absolutely days of Bat- it, it's it's a, essentially a continuation of Batman year one. So it's very early in Batman's career. And this is where the you see the rogues gallery go from just like henchmen in the mob to full fledged like villains. And so that's like you see the beginning of everything that you know, we know about Batman now and uh, like, it's just, and it, it's a true detective story because it takes place over a year and it's on every, every holiday, you know, somebody's getting yeah. killed. Yeah. So that's, I just, that's... I just think, I think it's like, you know, I don't think it gets enough credit. I mean, it gets a lot of credit cause you know, you talk about the top five and it's always up there, but I think, I mean, I honestly think it's one of the best. So uh, I take that as an endorsement that you would encourage any oh, listeners yeah. to pick the story up like right now, like yesterday. If I, to me, it's the perfect starting point for anybody. Even before you read The Dark Knight Returns, you can read Batman Year One. But like, when if you a casual is going to go in and like they want to read Batman, that's what I'm going to give them because it's going to give you everything that encompasses of what Batman is, and you're going to get all of your you know you're going to get your the the murderer's row, no pun intended of yeah, well. <laughs> of uh, Batman's like the best villains he's he has up to that point because I think it was like 95. So. 
So yeah. what, what what initially like drew you into the story? Like what made you go, okay, I need to read this story? Uh, you know, it's a good question because like I, I grew up watching Batman the animated series, but of course, well, who did like if you if you did need to you know, watch that thing like right now, right? But like that was my intro to comics, oh, and cool. so I was like, I don't I don't know how old I was, but. I wanted to go further into like where the source material of Batman animated series was coming from. And that is the closest thing. If you don't count the actual Batman animated series comic books to me, that's the closest thing that is like the, it's the adult version of Batman, the animated series tight because it's, it's, it's mature enough. It's got, it's, you know, the art is, is different enough, but it still has, it's you know, kind of similar in a way. Yeah. It really like, I was is. thinking that. It's like a grown-up version of you know Batman the animated series. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's and it was the first like actual full-fledged um, graphic novel that I own, and I still I have the first printing of the graphic novel. Nice. Uh, and I I went through a phase, you know, I think we all go through it at some point where you kind of get out of comics for a while. It was, <laughs> that was the one thing that I kept. I've always kept. Nice. That's good. So. That's good. Uh, so the subplots that were in the story, yeah. uh, did they did they work for you or or did you did you rather have gotten rid of them? I mean, some of it had to do with like Harvey's wife and them not having a kid. And yeah, then there's I, I think those are important. Um, I mean, I think you can tell that story uh, without that, um, but I think it, being as detailed as possible in, in some of the stuff that's not pertaining to the you know the regular oh well it's the joker it's it's scarecrow it's all this um i think they're very important are they necessary not really but they i think they definitely help the story a lot okay that's cool uh so do you do you have like a pet peeve about the book that like stuck out to you or do you have something like a moment in the book that's like super underappreciated that people don't really talk about enough uh that's a good question um man i just i really just love that book um, the emphasis, I mean, I'm not a huge Selena Kyle Catwoman fan. Like I like her fine. Um, but as a love interest though, it, it bothers you a little bit. I, it's just, it's so overdone. I mean, talking about when that came out, it was fine. But if you go back and read it, it's like, okay, it's another, it's another Catwoman story. And I don't know if you've ever read, um, when in Rome, which is the, the companion graphic novel for cat Catwoman is t- it takes place at the same time as this. Oh no, I have not. I have not. Yeah. It's by, it's by the same team. It's by Loban sale. So, okay. um, it's, it's like really hard to find, but it's, I mean, it's good. It's fine. There's nothing that I, there's nothing that I would change. Like to mm-hmm. me, if, if they ever adapted into something, I think it needs to be at least a, a two parter. Like, okay. I think the story is so rich and there's a lot of nuances in there that it needs to, you know, I don't think you can tell it in 90 minutes. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the thing that, kind of just the the gray area about who the actual killer is for like the longest time like like all right how much of it may have been harvey how much may have been his wife right how much is actually falcon's son like that's it's like crazy it's crazy to look at all right so we're coming up on about 30 seconds left here so we've actually gotten through almost all my questions i have the last one right here what do you think about the creative team with this story do you think they were equipped well enough to effectively and completely tell the story they wanted to tell Oh, absolutely. Uh, so much so that they actually got another uh, stab at it afterwards with Dark Victory. Ah. Um, it Dark Victory is not as put together as The Long Halloween um, because I think when you start with your best story, you know everything is expected to be that. Um, yeah. <laughs> one, of, but honestly, they're one of my favorite teams. Uh, their Batman and Super, Batman Superman run that they did was really great. 
Yeah, um, I've read even, that. It's fantastic. Uh, up until man, I'm telling you, I think it's issue 29. I think I was telling you about it. It's it's a heart. I mean, it's a it's a heart wrencher where Jeff Loeb's son actually wrote the. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, they're at, outside of Scott Snyder and Greg Capallo, they're probably my favorite Batman duo. I agree. I agree. And just like that, we've run right up on the seven minute mark. Good job. Good work out of you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so I'm going to quickly uh, do do the wrap up here. Yeah, I'll let you plug your stuff in and we'll, we'll finish off. Um, so uh, next time uh, on the show, uh, I will be doing uh, from DC, the Omega Men series from 2015 and Superman and Batman versus Alien and Predator, uh, just because that's ridiculous uh, and apparently <laughs> legendarily bad. So I kind of can't wait to read that and talk about it because uh, that's new to me. I have not read it. Uh, on the Marvel side, uh, I will have a guest on to talk about Executioner's Song, which is a classic X-Men story, and uh, we'll do the first story arc from the Fantastic Four. Uh, Alex, you want to go ahead and plug your stuff one, one more time, all your socials and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, on Twitter, we are Spag Policy Pod. It's S-P-A-G Policy Pod. Um, on Same thing on Instagram. We put out an episode every Friday. Uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, like you name it, wherever podcasts are at, that's where we're at. I am uh, subscribed like a mother. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, it's What's Your Spaghetti Policy. It's me and my friend Jacob. Uh, and we just we just talk for an hour and 15 minutes about nothing. And it's great. <laughs> it really is. It really it's, is. It's, 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 it's a, a great it should palate not work, cleanser. but it works. <laughs> yeah, it's a great palate cleanser going into the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's actually that's that's perfect timing yeah all right guys well that is all the time we have for this week of course make sure you subscribe to the twisted cape on your favorite podcast platform uh we're at the twisted cape no spaces on every social media platform facebook the gram twitter and youtube uh make sure you drop us a review on apple podcasts or Podchaser. we love the feedback i'm sure the guys at spaghetti policy would love that as yep. well uh, shoot us uh, an email uh, for feedback at the show thetwistedcape at gmail.com and make sure you use the subject line MTS thanks for tuning in we've been spending most of our lives living in an Amish paradise stay, stay safe stay twisted fix that